You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another Spotify live session here on Pride of Detroit's podcast feed. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. We are back, and we are back with a full crew for the entire show, which means first, of course, uh, we've got Eric Schlitt here, the uh, managing editor of Pride of Detroit, at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. How are we doing, Eric? Good morning, buddy. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, We are in the dog days of summer here. Not a lot of Lions news going on, but the cool thing about this show is you guys always seem to have really good questions and we're bored and have plenty of time to answer them. So we take a a little time out of our Saturday mornings here on the Spotify live app to to take your questions like a call-in show. Good times. Speaking of good news. Speaking of good news and good times. Yes. Our third man of the Spotify Live shows is back for now-ish. You know him. You love him. He's a great dad. It's Ryan Matthews. What's up, buddy? Oh, man. Hey, like, like Karen said in the chat, it's week to week. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I'm so happy to be back. As you can hear, the birds are chirping. <laughs> it's a wonderful day in mid-Michigan. Um, I'm happy to spend it with you guys. Let's, let's get to it. Let's jump. Yeah, let's jump right into it. Uh, we got our, our first caller of many today. Uh, Daniel is with us. Let's bring Daniel aboard. Uh, Daniel, what's up, man? Um, hey, well, no questions about the front office this week. Guys. All right. <laughs> um, so listen, uh, I, I, I think I got a good question. I, I enjoyed the uh, article that uh, Eric and Jeremy put together on picking the 53-man roster. And I noticed, and uh, I think it was Chris Burke of The Athletic pointed out that in the past, the problem was coming up with 53 guys who deserve to be on an NFL roster. And I think, and I, and I know like a, a while back, Eric was pointing, you know, was pointing out that uh, Brad Holmes had done a really good job of building depth on this roster. Um, and so it seems to me the problem now is the, uh, you know, now the problem becomes the waiver wire because it looks like we've got guys that um, we'd rather not lose and we not, might not be able to stash on the practice squad, um, you know, which is uh, we could we, we could pretty much depend on before. So I've, actually, I've got a two-part question. My first is where do you see those pressure points where they're going to struggle to keep people uh, – you know, maybe keep people on the roster because they don't want to lose them to the waiver wire. Uh, you know, maybe that creates pressure on them to keep more guys in one position group than they might want to keep. And, 
you know, I, I just I think it's really interesting. I think we'll I think it'll be a really interesting time to see how uh, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell uh, handle that. But the second part, but there's also a second part of the question, which is that even though the Lions have uh, have a pretty good amount of depth, they're still in the you know they're still in the number two position to pick up uh, pick up players released by other teams on the waiver wire. So. Um, you know who? Uh, where might we be at, uh, looking? Still looking to add add depth uh, by players that are released from other teams. So where are we afraid to lose, and where might we gain? Good questions, Daniel. And and yeah, I think Chris Burke or you know a lot of people have, have kind of made that observation that lines are probably going to release some guys that are going to be coveted elsewhere. In fact, it's already kind of happened, right? Um, some of the guys that they released on their 90-man roster, uh, already found homes elsewhere. So you, you better believe that's probably going to happen once they start cutting guys towards uh, towards 53. So, um, But, yeah, I, I guess, Eric, since, since you and I worked on that 53 together, who are some of the guys that you think are on that roster bubble that could very well be on the chopping block in Detroit but are going to be coveted by another team? Yeah, for me, um, I, I think – their, their strength points where they're probably going to lose guys if they don't want to are uh, at, on the edge. I mm-hmm. think there's a couple of guys that will be appealing to other teams. Uh, well, we didn't have James Houston in our 53. We didn't have Austin Bryant. We didn't have John Kaminsky. Uh, those are guys that I think teams might be interested in. Remember, Kaminsky was a guy that you know, eight teams put in for uh, a waiver on him. So, and, and granted that was for 90, but still there might be a few more teams that would be willing to, uh, to take a look at him. Uh, depending on, there's going to be a running back that shakes loose. That's probably going to be appealing to another team. Um, we t- tend to see that happen. Uh, beyond that, I don't know if there's another like guy that wasn't on our 53 that like, I would say for sure is like, going to be targeted by another team that the edge guys make a lot of sense because and they've done a nice job of adding depth there um, put a lot of investment into that so that's where I would pick I would say like a guy like Austin Bryant I think most Lions beat writers don't think he's going to make it but he's also um, an established enough name and he has length and athletic talent that he'll I think he's a guy who might get picked up off of his Ryan, you got any uh, any players to add there? Well, I, I think what's most interesting, right, is the wide receiver position just because sure. if JMO wasn't starting on Pup, they would have a pretty difficult decision to make, would they not? Yeah, and I mean, they might still, right? There's no guarantee they keep six. I feel like six is kind of that cutoff, though, because, you know, I've been hyping it all the time. It's, it's Trinity Benson versus Quintus Cephas. With, if JMO is on Pup to start the year, they can obviously afford to keep both, but they might not choose to. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, if it comes down to those two guys, right, and if the Lions had to make a decision about those two guys, you'd have to think that Quintez Cephas or Trinity Benson would end up elsewhere pretty quickly, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, like Eric said, though, I, I think it's really kind of the, the defensive side of the ball um, where we're, we're seeing a lot of really, like, speci- like a scheme-specific guys um, that, that m- might work here, but... Um, might not have a might not have a spot so yeah yeah I think the only other position I would throw in there is is defensive backs just because the Lions have so much young talent um, and and not necessarily guys that are, are capable of starting but considering they just have so many guys that have potential 
I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I've even seen some, I think the athletic guys had CJ Moore on the outside looking in. He's a guy that I think would get picked up immediately just yeah, because they, of his special teams. They had Brady Breeze in, but, right. and I think there's some, there's some validity to that based on what we saw in the spring because they, they cycled Breeze in with the second team a few times. Um, he has good special teams ability. At the same time, I think CJ Moore is uh, I I feel confident in our decision to keep CJ Moore in. Right. I think he's a more established special mm-hmm. teams player. He has more athleticism than he's given credit for. Coaches really talk about the fact that how underrated he is. Yeah. So, but and look, would Breeze get picked up by somebody? I don't I don't know, but I, I do agree with you that I think Moore might. Yeah. Well, and, and to, Bobby to, Price too. Like we we didn't have Bobby Price in. He's a good special team starting gun. Yeah, and a yeah, little bit of versatility. Teams, but, yeah. A little versatility too, as as a corner and a safety. Not not saying not not saying yesterday you were you were putting your foot down and saying that it was going to happen, Jeremy. But uh, I, I I checked in on your uh, your airport hangout uh, Twitch <laughs> session that you did, and like sure the name Mike Hughes, a question mark, right? Like I mean, it seems like he seems like he should be in. But what if they really like AJ Parker at the nickel spot? Yeah, that I mean that nickel job. I, I think I've talked about it a few times now. It it really feels like a three man race, and it seems like it might be redundant to keep all three. The the third obviously being uh, Chase Lucas, but Hughes does bring that outside versatility too. And we we know we know they like to move around their guys too. So maybe maybe they do choose to keep all three. But it's not I, like you said. I, Mike Hughes was like my surprise potential cut. Um, but, worth worth noting, the athletic guys kept all three, just yeah. like we kept all three as well. So I thought we were going out on a limb, but apparently not. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the flip side of that question, because I think Daniel brings up a good point that the Lions are going to have second priority in waivers until week after week three of the regular season. And we all know there's kind of like a second round of free agency almost once the cuts start happening. So um it's it's way too early to predict what players are going to be available. So so what positions do you think the Lions should be keeping their close eye on? I think linebacker is the most yep. obvious. Right? That's the answer. Yep. Um, interior defensive tackle is another possibility. Yep. Uh, but linebacker, I think, is the clear one. Yeah, I, I think I think your mind immediately jumps to the defensive side of the ball, and I think, like Eric said, linebacker just because that seems to be a position that's so predicated on competition, right? And I don't think that the I don't think that the front office, I don't think the coaching staff would shy away from bringing in some, some other guys to be like, all right, like, let's keep, let's, let's, let's keep trying to get the most out of this position group. However we can. Yeah. I think the only one I would add, and it seems a little silly considering one, they just added someone in two, they have eight of them tight end. Like, they still don't have a clear number two. I'm, I'm sure they're hoping it's James Mitchell, but we don't even know how ready he's going to be at the beginning of the season. I could see them adding a, a more established guy that maybe gets the, the X from another roster. Could they pick up, so, did, let me ask, could they pick up, what about O-line depth? I mean, it seems like that's, you know, we love the starting five. But, and I, you know, and I don't know how much our, you know, O-line is such a premium. Would would anybody become available that we that would be good on the interior of those tackle spots? It's. I mean, that's obviously like I said. It's kind of a hard thing to predict, but I. I mean, they would certainly look. Um, you know, yeah, Kramer, I, Kramer had a promising I, I think rookie season. Set up though, right? Like, yeah, I mean, Kramer, Evan Brown, Kramer. Yeah, yeah, Evan Brown was. Um, 
highly they coveted him to bring him back. Kramer's a guy that they have high hopes for the future, and Nelson is um, a guy that they have a specific role for, for beyond being a tackle. Uh, so, and then I mean, you're cutting Stenberg and Skipper, who could who would have made the team in years past. You know what I mean? Um, on our on our 53 man projection anyway. Um, and then you're not even including any of the uh, UDFA guys. So yeah, yeah, I, I, to find an offensive tackle that would upgrade them, I think would be a bit uh, surprising. Yeah. That, that's I, what I was going to say. Maybe tackle is, is a position that they would circle because I don't know how, I mean, we all saw Matt Nelson jump into a starting role and it didn't go particularly well, but how often is there an established tackle on the market that would be willing to take a backup job behind two really good tackles? Right. Which I think it, I, th- I think this comes back to what you mentioned, Jeremy, like tight end. Like mm-hmm. if, if they're looking to get maybe some depth at that position, it, it might be kind of like pseudo blocking um, as uh, it, you know, d- does it just seem like Griffin is on the outside looking in? I would, I mean, right I'd now, say, yeah, yeah it, it, it's hard to tell without the pads on. Cause obviously blocking right. is going to be, so and that's his, and that's key, his thing. But, so, right. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say right now he's probably behind Brock Wright and James Mitchell. And I don't know if they, they keep anything Shane more than that. Zilstra. Also had a pretty good, but but again, like his his skill set was accentuated yes. in, in mm-hmm. minicamp because receiving is kind of more highlighted early in the off season. But uh, all right, let's uh, we we spent I think a good ten minutes on that. So appreciate the question, Daniel. Uh, let's move on to our next caller. We got Nathan on the line. Nathan, what's up, buddy? How y'all doing? Good man. How are you? So who so who's who's gonna be the best uh, who's gonna be the best position coach this year for this for the Lions? Who's going to be the one that's going to be on the hot seat this year for the Lions? And who's going to be uh, the most intriguing one this year? Okay. Which one do you want to I'm, – I'm, I'm deferring this one to one of you guys, first of all. I think it over. Who wants to take this shot at it first? Um, as the uh, dump truck backs up, I guess I'll take the uh, – I'll take the one that I think is on the hot seat. Um, okay. How, how could it not be Ben Johnson? Like, just in my mind, I, I think you go, going back to last year, right? I mean, Anthony Lynn comes in. He's highly touted, highly respected. He's the offensive coordinator. And then by halfway into the season, he's, you know, stripped of his play-calling duties and he's relegated to working with the run game. And I'm not saying that I don't have faith in Ben Johnson. I'm just saying that the precedent has been set that if things aren't going well, Dan Campbell's going to make a change. And I think that there are really high expectations for this offense. So part of me thinks that that's why Dan Campbell has kind of held off on, you know, making it known whether or not, you know, who's going to be, you know, calling plays. Um, because he has that responsibility over to Ben Johnson, and he has a lot on his plate with all the expectations that this offense has. So um, if I was hard-pressed to say, like, who would be on the quote-unquote hot seat, I, I think that he's probably the one that's under the biggest microscope. That's interesting. Uh, Nathan, if you wouldn't mind uh, just muting while, while yeah, we're sorry, answering guys. It, the background noise is kind of loud. Uh, Eric, do you, do you agree with that? That's kind of an interesting thought. I, it, it's not one that had come to my mind. Yeah, geez. Yeah, well, it's hard it's to a, pick one, it's right? It's question. hard to pick one with yeah, so much a, optimism. Yeah. Right, right. Because like I, I think with Lynn, it was a little bit more clear uh, last year that that he might be uh, potentially in the hot seat. He didn't sign a long contract. He was a former head coach, like so. Uh, expectations were high, and then you, you didn't see it. 
you know, um, and right. you didn't see it in the spring, you didn't see it in training camp, you didn't see it in early in the season. So, um, you could kind of feel that uh, it's a little harder this year because there's a they've invested so much in young coaches. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick a hot seat guy, maybe Todd Wash for the some of the same reasons like we looked at Lynn last year because he's an established guy who's a who's a, a veteran who should know what he's doing. He should be able to produce results. He's a former defensive coordinator, and they've invested a ton of money into uh, that defensive line. And if the results aren't there, uh, he may have some uh, fingers pointed his way. Yeah, that that's kind of a name that that jumped to my mind too, and and I think that's a really good point. Like. They, they're trying to also develop these coaches. So getting rid of one early would seem because like, I mean, you could say something like Kelvin Shepard because he was the weakest unit and, you know, there's a good chance that the linebacking core doesn't look great. And, you know, you saw what they did with Mark DeLeon after one year and, and who knows exactly what happened there in terms of why they fired him or whether it was mutual or, or all that sort of stuff. But they've showed, you know, they're not afraid to move on, but with a guy that, I mean, by all means seems to have the, the attention and respect of the linebacker room. I feel like they're, they're probably going to have him on a, on a longer leash, so to speak, because I mean, he, he's a guy that just, I don't know. I feel, you hear me say it every week. I, I think he's kind of a rising star and they're willing to kind of let him develop as, as a coach since this is his first time really doing it. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the with the length of rope, right? Yeah. Like he's, the, the younger guys are going to get a longer leash. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Mo, let's let's move on to the other part of the question, um, the other two parts of the question, which was uh, the the most intriguing. Was that one of them? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah um, most intriguing. All right. Who's who's the most intriguing coach to you right now? I mean, you you just kind of mentioned him, right? Kelvin yeah. Shepard, yeah. right? He's a guy who um, is definitely the biggest, like, name of the young guys that we don't know a lot about, right? Like, he's got an outgoing vote. He's, he's, he's very confident in what he does. He demands he demands in the respect of, of those around him. And this is a big opportunity for him to be, like, a solo position coach because last year he was an edge guy but technically he was working with Todd Wash right? right Wash was kind of the guy making the call still so um I think he's the one that's the most intriguing uh but there's other guys that you know like younger guys that we know very little about that I you know I think could command our attention as well and that are also intriguing but I don't want to steal anyone from somebody else so <laughs> I'll stick with Shepard um, yeah I like she- I like Shepard too yeah, I, I think I think we're giving Shepard quite the rub, which which he deserves, um, especially you know heading into the season, the kind of trust that they put in him. But um, what about Hank Fraley? I think that I think that that is a really interesting position group, just because of again, um, and I come back to what I was mentioning about Ben Johnson and the offense is like expectations, right? As long as the offensive line is healthy, people have sky high expectations for this offensive line, and I, I think when I when I think of a guy who's well respected like Fraley, like how is Sewell going to look in year two? Um, is he going to, is he going to take that leap? Is he going to take that jump? Um, once this unit is healthy, a lot of people expect this group to be like top five, top seven. Um, and you know, it, it it's going to take more than just them being healthy to be that good of a group. So yeah. um, I, I think, I think Fraley might be my, uh, my answer for that. 
That's an, yeah, I, I kind of like that answer too because we we know that Ben or I'm sorry that that uh, Hank Fraley has a respect to that room like Taylor Decker know, found on the table for him right yeah. yeah exactly um, but yeah expectations are really high can he meet those very high expectations um, I think I my, like the safeties coach yeah so Brian yeah, Duker, Duker. Um, a guy who who got a promotion this year pretty much only in name because I I specifically asked him so like what's different this year now that you're officially the safeties coach he's like oh it's nothing nothing different it's it's the same thing I was doing before which is which is interesting since um, you know they have a defensive backs coach they have a defensive coordinator who was a former defensive back um, so it's kind of a crowded room there so but yeah I mean yeah like he he has Kirby Joseph in his right that's a that's a huge um developmental piece that i think this team wants to be eventually become a starter and he's going to have a big part in that i i think my answer is still ben johnson though because it's not very often that you have an offensive coach who is still really young 30 36 and i'm gonna call that young because that's my age as well but comes with 10 years of coaching experience he's been in the nfl since 2012 that's kind of crazy. And and now he's getting his first shot as, a, as an offensive coordinator full time. I'm I'm super excited, super thrilled for, for Ben Johnson. And uh, I don't know. I, th- I think the, the sky is kind of the limit with him. And you hear everyone say it, right? Like you see Goff say it. You hear Dan Campbell call him a stud and, and a rock star. I, I just I, I can't wait to see a full year of him and uh, and see what he's got. You know what? You know what? You know what? Coaches for me is probably the most um, possibly on the fi- uh, firing line. I call it <laughs> sure. uh, uh, the tight ends coach. I got to see more from that room. Now I know that you know you don't have a lot of ta- uh, healthy talent right now because a lot of people are injured. But I got to see more from Hawk. You know, if you want to get that big contract, you got to show me something this year. You got to play at least most of the season and really ball out because. The, the ex- expectation is that he's going to have a lot of opportunity with having two deep threats in JMO and Chark, you know, so that middle is going to be wide open and he's really going to have to um, play well. Yeah. And that, that man is Tanner, Tanner Engstrom, uh, who yeah. most, most famously known for being the quarterback during rookie minicamp last year. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to, to blame him. I think what, what was he the assistant tight ends coach last year while Ben Johnson was around? I think. Yeah. So, so look, so Engstrom is actually a guy I like quite a bit. I would have named him one of my, he, if I didn't pick Shepard, he would have yeah, been my intriguing guy because uh, Engstrom, he was a, a coach under Jim Harbaugh uh, at San Diego and uh, in Ann Arbor, he uh, was uh, hired by the the previous Lions coaching staff. Then was kept. On, he impressed Campbell enough that they kept him on. He did take over the tight end room when Ben Johnson was promoted to uh, you know passing game coordinator. Uh, but now that Ben Johnson is the offensive coordinator. Engstrom is the passing game coordinator right. as well as the tight ends coach. Like they're not going to hand that to a, a young guy if they're not confident in him and if they don't see potential future in him. And so, th- I mean, remember he's a former quarterback too. So he's got a lot of Ben Johnson vibes going on with him. Former quarterback came up th- through uh, a lot of different coaches that are, you know, established and he's getting responsibilities that go beyond just his position room. And so he's a guy, I actually think they're, uh, in, investing in in the long run. All right. Uh, I think we're going to close that clo- conversation out there. Uh, thanks for the question, Nathan. And, yeah, you uh, have the great work. Appreciate that.
with that, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, answering more of your Lions questions here on the Spotify Live app every Saturday morning. Come join us all at Pride in Detroit. We'll be right back. And we are back on Spotify Live answering your Lions questions. Uh, Let's waste no time and get right into it. Our good buddy Dan is here. What's up, Dan? Hi, Jeremy. Can you hear me okay? You're good. Okay, cool. And uh, I'll try to keep it short. I know you you gave us sort of the you gave us the warning lights even before the show started. (laughs) But um, I I had all this stuff in mind, and it's and I just apologies. These are my opinions, obviously not whatever. But like it's been it's been such a week and everything else. And I just I like I'm 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 51. I, I I voted for the first time two years ago, and I'm very eager to vote this year for all the obvious reasons that people who know me would understand but I won't say any more and I, I apologize but I, I'm going to pivot to a really crass thing and do a bachelor kind of rose question <laughs> okay. and, and what I mean by that is is simply and I'm glad Ryan's here I'm glad you're bad, uh, bat mate I'm glad your great baby's doing great so uh, but but like this is this rose question is kind of the idea because we have a few of these games that are coming up where we're meeting potential picks that we talked about all through the pre-draft process and stuff like that. So I guess my question is simple, like which one of those roses are you having sort of a regret about? Like, is it cave on when we meet the giants or, I mean, obviously with Malik and I was going to, I was going to rep Ryan if he hadn't been here, but that, <laughs> that can't happen with Tannehill unless he, you know, like obviously crumbles under the pressure of being in that room with Malik, which is obviously which what we think will happen, but I'll stop talking. Sorry. Go ahead. Interesting. Okay, so like, what draft pick that the Lions didn't make is is something that you might end up that they might end up regretting this year is essentially the question there. And yeah, I mean, I guess the, another way to to form it is like, was there a draft crush that the Lions didn't end up picking that you were hoping they did? Um, I, I guess if I if I were to go first, it, it's kind of Lewis Seen, right? And you know, it hurts maybe a little bit more that he goes to the Vikings. You're going to see him two times a a, a year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously the pick that you, you used to have before you traded up and, and everyone knows my feeling on trades up and I'm excited about Jameson Williams. I don't want to, to take about anything away from that, but I think, I think Lewis is the, the first one that jumps out to me is maybe, uh, the, the one that got away. Um, Ryan, I'm going to throw it to you next. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, similarly, you know, had the lions not moved up to grab JMO, like, like you said, Jeremy, I mean, they would have had a chance to get Lewisine, right. Um, right at that pick that the Vikings used to take him. Um, I'm going to stay in the division, Christian Watson to the green Bay Packers. Um, I I think that that is one that, you know, had the lions not moved up for JMO, that was somebody that a lot of lions fans were really in on myself included. Um, at, you know, as a maybe end of the first round at 32 or, or you know, at the at the top of uh, the second day, um, you know, around the, the time that he had ended, ended up actually going. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say that Christian Watson might be one of those guys who, who maybe got got away. Eric, anybody that, that was on your big board maybe that, that you thought the Lions would have a shot at that, that either didn't take him or didn't, never had a shot? 
You need more time, Dan. You can't give me these tough questions. <laughs> I think I obviously delivered it in a crap way, but probably just right for me. But I was all about, I guess I was kind of thinking, because like we never got to talk about it from the In The Den video, in the fact that, you know, you, you took a lot of stick, uh, Eric, for picking Trayvon Walker, you know what I mean, yep. for Detroit Lions and all that kind of stuff. But from that video, obviously, we felt that Dan was – preferential to uh, to Aiden, but, you know, we, uh, Brad was much more, you know, you didn't tell, you couldn't tell, but you, when he said there's only one name on the board, it made it sort of feel like it was, they wanted, they, that, that was their top two. So he was definitely a name I thought I was expecting from you, you know what I mean? And, uh, and obviously, oh, there you go. It, it, damn it! Questioning it. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> you, 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 hold on, Dan, you found the quickest way to have Eric have the shortest answer. <laughs> you, you answer for Eric. That's it. Okay. Well, let me just say, you guys, it's so great to have you guys out there and you keep, keep us going through this time. Thank you so much. All right. Love you guys. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it, buddy. I, uh, I think the tough part with Dan's question is that there's a lot of guys that I like that aren't going to be up against the Lions this year, Yeah. right? Like, um, I think we all really liked George Pickens, but he went to the Steelers. We all really liked um, um, Daxon Hill, but he went to the Bengals, right? So th- that's, that's I think, part of the uh, the hard part for me is, like, which guy went to a team that, you know, they're going to face? I, 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 yeah, I agree. Trayvon Walker is probably, was probably the, the good answer for me. There you go. All right, let's move on to our next caller. Uh, Tyler is here. Tyler, how's it going? Tyler, are you there? Can't can't hear you. Did you bring Kenny Galladay on the show with you? <laughs> His nice little avatar there with Kenny Galladay. Um, all right, Brian, you're back. You're back here to help me out. <clears throat> Tyler, going once. Tyler going twice. All right. You're going to have to try to jump back in. Um, I know there's been issues with Android. So if you're an Android user, you're not alone in your, your technical difficulties, unfortunately. Just like Kenny Galladay. We'll see if you can bounce back. (laughs) Well done. Well played. Uh, All right. In the meantime, let's one sec. All right. Let's try Nick next. Uh, yep. Can you guys hear me? Yep. You're loud and clear. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. So first of all, uh, I heard uh, Daniel's podcast in the background, and then you hear Dan talking, and it seems like these uh, Saturday Q&As have like, a, a, like an unusual Anglophile theme to them. So <laughs> that's got to be part of the culture now. I guess so. <laughs> um, but uh, I have two questions. One is, uh, does Dan Campbell secretly hate TJ Hawkinson? Because I think he does. I think there's like uh, tight end personality uh, envy there. So I want you guys to do some armchair psychology. But the real question is with Josh Pascal. Sounds like, assuming the injury that he has is not going to actually keep him out, their plan is to like have him put on weight, change his body. So do they have a multi-year plan for him? What do you guys see? as his role in the defense in year one, and do you expect it to change over time? Um, let, let's start with that, that second question first, because I do think that's interesting. Um, yeah, obviously we're, we'll kind of, we're in a wait and see situation with um, with the injury there, the, the core injury or whatever exactly it is. Um, but yeah, I guess, Eric, if you want to get into more about what you think his role is going to be here and, and how much he'll have to change, because I'm not sure 
that, that'll have to change that much. You might want to put on a little more, but I, I don't know if it's going to really change all that much from what he did in college. Yeah, I, I think his ability to play the seven and the five are, are really exactly what they're going to be looking for from him. They have a lot of guys that they can really put in different spots. Like with Levi, Levi can play the three, five, and then Pasco can play the five, seven, right? So you've got these guys that can overlap a little bit, but also move in, in on opposite directions, like Pasco more outside, Levi more inside. And so with Pasco, I think they're going to want to keep him. Maybe they're going to have him put on a little bit of weight. Um, he's not underweight. Let me put it that way. I mean, for, for what they're asking him to do, he's, he's at about just under 270. So that's, that's a fine weight to be at. Um, I don't think they want to make him the next Levi type of thing. I think they're, they're comfortable having a guy who can push the edge a little bit, hold his ground, set the edge, but also cross the face of a guard when he's uh, trying to get interior penetration. So the, the, that flexibility is going to be really key uh, for when they want to switch between the different style fronts as well. Like when they want to, if they want to shift to a three man front, they can still use him in that spot. They can, they can still put him at like a five, seven. And so um I know the talk and even the coaches said like, Hey, if he, if we add some more weight, maybe we'll get to use him more inside. But I think that's just talk right now. I, right now I think they're comfortable with where he's at and I, and they're going to use him in a variety of different ways in order to, um, you know, be able to use his first step, be able to use his power. Like he has so many different things that are going to be, I guess are non-traditional um, that, he's going to be a guy that they want to kind of keep in that non-traditional type role um, because that's where NFL defense is really trending, right? Like you, these guys that used to be tweeners are now coveted because of how defenses flex. And, and he has that in spades. Yeah. And, and I, during, during that spiel, I kind of dug through some, some old transcripts and, and Pascal talked, uh, talked to us in May, he actually talked a little bit about his weight. Um, I think he measured, what was it? 268. At the NFL Combine, um, he, he told us he was around 273, 275 now. So he did put on a little bit. Um, but then he said, then they asked, you know, how much will you play it? And he said they haven't talked about it, but he pro- probably plays around that 235, 230, 275 level. So putting out a little bit, and I, I think part of it is, is, is his inside versatility, right? He's going to have to be a little bit bigger than he was at Kentucky because bigger uh, competition here at the NFL. Um, but, yeah, and I, I think that's uh, that's – I think you kind of captured everything else there. So do do we want to move on to the idea that Dan Campbell hates DJ Hawkinson, which I I mean, I haven't gotten any sort of sense of that. I think, I think anything like the closest thing we've gotten is maybe like disappointed dad, dad, Dan Campbell a little bit when he talked about Hawkinson this offseason saying like, he'll be the first to tell you like he needs to be a better blocker. Um, but in order, in order for, I think if TJ Hawkinson was unwilling to block, then he would maybe hate him, but that's not, that's not the issue. Hawkinson's always been a very willing blocker. Um, just been inconsistent. I, I don't know. Have I, did I miss a quote somewhere that, that gives off? I'm, I'm disappointed in you be, something beyond I'm disappointed in your play, I guess. No, no Eric's, heard, Eric's podcast. Host there you go. That opinion. And <laughs> I, I personally, uh, I, I felt that under the surface too. I wanted to okay. know if you thought the same thing. That's all. So, so we have we have someone to blame, Eric. Defend <laughs> defend your co-host. Uh, it's just his. It's just a 
conspiracy theory. Like it's fun. Uh, he, but I mean, like it's just the idea out there is that, um, I think it's more about the future, right? It's like, Hey, we, we don't necessarily think he's going to be the guy of the future. Therefore we don't necessarily have to, uh, and and that the lions therefore aren't going to pay him the money to keep him long term. I think that's that's the 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 gist of the of the of the conversation there. I want I want to throw a different question to Ryan here, so you can get in on this conversation because I I, I find Hawkinson kind of an interesting test case um, because he's not in that elite category, but he's also a pretty darn good player. Do you think the lions give him an extension? This year, even though they, he's signed through 2023 with the the fifth-year option, do you think he gets extended this year? Do you think they wait another year just to be sure? And would you give him an extension? Ooh, way to extend that question. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if you should ever be in the business of paying, you know, like really good players top-tier money. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the recipe that you want to go with. And, and, and I guess I kind of come back to like the Kenny Galladay uh, contract situation that Brad Holmes mm-hmm. had, had to make a decision on. And I, I fully expect Kenny Galladay to like be a better player. Um, I think that the Giants were just in a really rough spot last year. You know, may, maybe, maybe it really hurts not having a guy like Matthew Stafford, but I think Kenny Galladay did enough on the field to be like, you know, that guy's a good player, not, not somebody I would put in the top tier, of, of, of wide receivers but when when the contract happens then it's oh my goodness like the the overpay for Kenny Galladay and and I would hate for TJ Hawkinson to become a victim of that you know what I mean because right. he hasn't quite lived up to those expectations of where he was drafted and and, and that gets people into a lot of trouble uh, especially with like the you know the local media and, and the fan base sometimes um and I would hate to see that happen to TJ Hawkinson for a second time. Right. And just not being able to live up to that draft, those draft expectations, um, which again, not, not his fault. Um, if he gets paid a lot of money, not, not his fault that somebody um, believes in him that much. But uh, the only angle that I could see Dan Campbell having a, uh, having resentment toward TJ Hawkinson is like the narrative for like a really bad football movie where, you know, like, the former tight end himself is like, ah, kid, you got all the talent that I never had. <laughs> like, you're just not putting it together. Um, but I don't think that's happening at all with, with Dan Campbell and TJ Hawkinson. But a little tight end envy. <laughs> yeah, man. Could you? That, I mean, that's like a football man's football movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like tight ends, not 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 like quarterbacks or anything. But I don't know. What do you? I mean, are are you guys in the business of, of paying out? Uh, you know, TJ Hawkinson. Man, it's you're right. It's really a, a conundrum, right? Um, which is why I feel like if I was a general manager, I might kick the decision down to, to next off season and make a decision before 2023. Um, but I, I'm I'm more of the camp that that Hawkinson is more of a weapon than we give him credit for. And going into last year, I think we all knew like this was that 2022. I'm sorry, 2021 was going to be kind of a, a watermark year for him because we knew the Lions didn't have a lot of other receiving options. And so we were going to find out very quickly whether TJ Hawkinson is the kind of guy that can lift an entire offense. And early on, the answer was like, maybe. And then it seemed like defenses adjusted and the answer was no. Now he's got a bunch of weapons 
And now can he be a complimentary piece that can win his one-on-ones consistently? Because that's yeah. worth it. Like that's, that's not a bad trait is maybe you can't beat double teams and be that guy that doesn't matter what the defense throws at you. You're, you're going to dominate a game. But if you can consistently win your one-on-ones, which I think TJ Hawkinson can, that has a lot of value too. And it's not like these weapons in Detroit are going away. So I, I think TJ Hawkinson should stay around, but I, I would probably wait a, a year just to be sure. And, and and Eric has said this quite a few times, but like the idea of adding players like J-Mo and DJ Shark, like to the, to, you know, to the outside, to the margins of the field, it, it's really going to open up a lot of stuff for TJ Hawkinson to do stuff in the middle. Right, Eric? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think um, Dan Campbell called Hawk, uh, a piece of the puzzle, right? Which he said, you look, we've got Reynolds, uh, you know, Swift's Amon Ra, DJ Chark. And then he said, he's, uh, Hawkinson is a piece of the puzzle and we need him to be reliable when his number is called. And so to me, everything that Dan is kind of saying is right now, you're just one of a collective, right? But if you do X, Y, and Z, then you'll be able to elevate your game. If if these other options free up the slot for you and you're able to take advantage of that, then you can elevate your game even more. And they think he can. And if he does, then he's going to get paid. Like if he figures out how to block, like like a, like a, you know his some of the other elite blocking tight ends out there. He's going to get paid. But That's the he, key, though, Eric. Like, right. Like, and we so, keep on talking about receiving and, you know, winning mm-hmm. one-on-ones, but it's the blocking, right? Like, you yeah. have to block like George Kittle. You have to block like Travis Kelsey. Right. No, certainly. Certainly. And, and, and you know, like, I agree with both of what you guys said, because, like you said, uh, he's he, he was – Drafted early because we uh, we were sold on the fact that he can do both pass and block at an elite level, and then the blocking hasn't lived up, and so therefore he that's what people are I guess the most upset about. And then you know you can be if you're going to be like a Kyle Pitts, well then you better be putting up 80 yards a game. You know what I mean? And I don't think he's necessarily doing that either. His receiving is really good, but in order to be the complete player that he has been expected to be, like he's got to figure the blacking part out. And so I'm now I'm with Jeremy there. And the fact that I think because you have him for two more years, there's no rush to try and get an extension with him. If anything, you're, you're, you're lowballing him right now because he's, he hasn't figured the blocking out, but you're giving him a year to develop the gamble there is that if he does figure it out, well, then the cost is going to go up. Right. True. All right, Nick, appreciate the questions there. Um, Yeah. Thank you guys. And thank you, Ryan, for coming up with the imaginary Dan Campbell quote that I've been looking for. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Love it. Um, I I just had to like channel my like inner Gene Hackman from the replacements. I think that's where (laughs) I got a lot of that energy from. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right, uh, let's move on to our next caller. We got Greg on the line. Greg, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Is uh, this work? Yeah, you're good to go. Yeah, you're good to go. Uh, cool. I'm, I'm driving and using the car speakers, uh, so I'm just hoping you're not getting feedback. Anyways, um, yeah, um, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid like other Alliance fans, that, which is fine. I'm kind of sipping it. But uh, in order to get to the playoffs, if they were – uh, I think obviously a couple players got to elevate themselves above what they, what the average NFL player is. Uh, 2011, Stafford throws 5,000. 
2014. Sue has eight and a half, something sacks like that. He's just crazy great. Uh, so I'm wondering from you guys, who's that guy that needs just – and I'm going to take Jared Goff off the table. Can't yeah, use him as an answer. Yeah. So who's the guy that has to just elevate and ball out this year? And on the flip side of that, who's the guy that we're going to look at and go, why did we bring him back? Why did we trade for him? Why did we pick him up in free agency? Uh, my answers to those, uh, the, the guy that needs to finally ball out is Tracy Walker. I just – I think every year, maybe he's had one interception, if that. And he's, to me, he's just kind of all this guy that we think is, he's got talent. He's, he's showing, doing good, but he's not an elite safety, at least not in my eyes. And uh, the guy that I think that we're going to regret bringing back that we've talked about or fans kind of maybe don't like, do like, is Will Harris. I, I just, I don't know, I've kind of had enough of him too, and I kind of wish they would just cut him and move on to a younger talent. But, that's just me. So trying to get your guys' thoughts on that. All right. Yeah, let's let's jump into this. Let's start with uh, a guy that we think uh, has a chance of being that guy that just blows expectations out of water and maybe lifts all boats here. Is there is there a guy that jumps out to either one of you? No, I'll jump in then. DeAndre Swift. I think I think he has an opportunity. Yeah, I think he has an opportunity to take that that year. What is it? Three jump now. Um, and and I really think the lines are, you know, we, we talked about Hawkinson being a piece of the puzzle. I feel like, I feel like Swift might be a quarter of the puzzle um, on offense, at least. Um, I, we lose sight of how big of a weapon he was in the passing game too. And I, I think they're, they're looking to make him more of a, a threat in the running game, more consistent threat in the running game because his, his touches have been limited. He hasn't started a ton of games, but he is such a multidimensional weapon that we know and I don't remember which was the last year on this last week on this podcast, but I really do feel like the coaching staff is getting through to him. And if, if that's the case, is if, if his mental is in the right place, we know the physical is there. And so I think he's a guy that, that could surprise a lot of people. I know he's already kind of a, a, a popular fantasy pick out there just because he catches a lot of passes, but I feel like he could surprise a lot of maybe more casual fans um, with, with his production this year. And we know the Lions get a, a consistent running game going. It's it's gonna it's gonna do some good for that offense overall. So he's my answer for that one. Who wants to go next? Don't be shy. I'm not I'm not sure if Eric is still reeling um, from <laughs> from Greg's player that he needs to see more out of. But um, can, can I can I say that Tracy Walker is the guy who might raise all ships in sure. the offensive backfield because. Yeah. For for the exact reason you just said, um, Jeremy, about DeAndre Swift and this coaching staff kind of getting through to him, I come back to that exchange that we got to see between Dan Campbell and Tracy Walker, right? Mm-hmm. Like that awesome exchange, like when he comes back in the building after sign, you know, re-signing with the team, and you know, he talks about like you're you're one of those pieces, dude. Like you are one of the guys that's gonna like you were here during the tough times, and now now you're gonna be that guy when when the team starts to take a turn we and we want you to be that guy I think that that type of confidence right like I, I think that might be the one thing that has been missing from Tracy Walker's uh game has just been confidence from the coaching staff because you know we all lived through you know the wishy-washy times of, of Matt Patricia and either you were in his good graces or you're in the doghouse the next week I I think having guys like you know AP and AG and you know having 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 the lead reins and 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 kind of um you know taking over that defensive backs group 
I, I think that's going to be Tracy Walker's role. And I, I think I'm, I'm expecting like a, a big year out of him. This is probably totally unfair of me, but I'm going to pick Aiden Hutchinson because I think as a rookie, rookie, you shouldn't be held up to that high of expectations. But this is a potential guy that – this is a guy that should come in and have the same type of impact that Panay Sewell had, right? And Sewell, statistically, it doesn't show up, right? But, like, he came in and he dominated one part of the game and he showed development in another part of the game while also being having to switch between positions and and adjust, right? So you expected him to come in and dominate, and he kind of did. I think you have those same expectations for Hutchinson to come in and say, and, you know, get eight sacks. I think eight sacks would be a great year for him, but if he gets eight sacks, that that could change the whole dynamic of how the front operates. And then there could be this kind of, you know, domino effect on, on how it, it plays out from there. So uh, it's probably unfair to put, put, put that on him, but I, I think Aiden is, uh, is probably my choice for the guy who could be the catalyst. Are, are you, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to pick Aiden too, but the same reason I didn't pick him is he's a rookie. I didn't want to put that pressure on. Well, well. So speaking of pressure, and I guess I just have a follow-up question. Like, you know, Eric mentions eight sacks, and I know he's kind of just throwing out a number, but it's like, <clears throat> are are you guys at all concerned about if the number of sacks aren't there? Like, what, you know, what that is going to do for kind of the narrative surrounding him? Because we really know it's a pressure game, right? But yeah, we we all lived through Nadam Kinsu having an incredible rookie season, and then the sack number started to dwindle a little bit, and it was, oh, is he as effective? And it's like, yes, he is. He yeah. is still that dude. He's just getting double teamed every play. I, I think one of the things we saw in the spring was the attention that Hutchinson draws opens up opportunities for other people. And, and so, yes, if, if if the sack numbers for the unit all go up and his numbers aren't as high. But like, like you said, if you check the PFF scores and the pressures are there and then you, uh, you see other teammates and, and that are producing in the box score. I think, yes, you, you can still say that he's being as uh, impactful as, as you would hope for, because that's going to happen. Like he's going to get keyed on um, when he pushes inside, like a couple of, like he freed up, guys on the interior to get sacks that normally aren't getting sacks like Bruce Hector and, and Jay Sean Cornell were getting sacks when they lined up next to Hutchinson inside. Right. So um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, there's a long way. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think pressures is going to be key. And if the overall unit production goes up. All right, let's answer the, the backside of this question here. Who is a player that the Lions might regret bringing back? To me, I, I think this is maybe a layup of an answer. Not, and he, here's the thing: like he could, he could maybe not even make the team if if things get crazy in training camp. But Alex Anzalone, like, keep stealing mine. I, I'm sorry. I know he's like, I know he's a veteran leader in a pretty young room. I know he's a guy that this coaching staff trusts to to kind of show the you know to be the the locker room example, to be the 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 locker room presence, to be a a, a captain type on that defense, but. The Lions have a lot of young guys there that I think they're going to want to see more of. They're, they're going to want to see Derek Barnes be in there. They, they might want to see what uh, Malcolm Rodriguez does with the green dot. And Alex Anthony is just kind of standing in the way. And I know, I know the coaching staff loves him. I know they, they even said, you know, he's coming off maybe the best season of his career. But 
he's just he's probably not a part of this team's future and so I want to see the young like we haven't even started and I'm ready to see Malcolm Rodriguez in the starting lineup yeah, I, I think the offseason, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I was going to go with Anzalone as well, because I do think I agree with you. I think he's the most vulnerable. Um, the talent does feel kind of like it's been capped. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, he's I understand the reasoning in bringing him back, because like you said, the veteran presence is is a necessary thing. Uh, especially on defense. It's kind of like why Brockers is still there as well. Right. Uh, both coming off poor seasons where they weren't at their best, even though Anzalone, you know, the Lions have said that they thought he had a great year. Um, I do think, you know, the eye test for the rest of us all kind of says the opposite. Like there were very obvious spots where he needed to get better. And while he seems like a very solid uh, starter, like on paper, like it seems very likely he's going to be a starter. Uh, he also could be a guy that ends up, you know, getting benched, uh, you know, a month into the season. This is such a tough question to answer because Brad Holmes has done such a good job insulating himself from, from these kind of like things blowing up in his face. So, right. Like I'm hard pressed to find a guy where it's like, Oh, Brad Holmes is really going to regret giving that guy a one-year contract, right? Like at, at this stage of the rebuild. So, like, I guess, I guess, looking around, like, if I had to pick a player, maybe Charles Harris, <laughs> just because he did get a little bit of a pay bump and, and sure. he does have some guaranteed money. So, I mean, if if Charles Harris kind of falls flat, well, I mean, then you're really hoping that you know Pascal is healthy, and and I mean, you're really hoping that like. Because the edge talent, I, I think it kind of, I mean, it, it takes a precipitous fall, like after Hutchinson, Romeo, and, and Charles. I mean, it's the perceived value of Charles Harris when he's only really done it for one year. So yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I guess maybe that would be my answer. But then again, I mean, it's only a two-year deal. Like, it's not going to hamstring you. The Lions right. have an out. Yeah. I, the, the, I'll throw one more name. And it's it's a position that I think we were all like, why aren't they addressing this? Why aren't they addressing this? And they go out and get Deshaun Elliott, a guy who also hasn't put together a full season in his career yet. And he is at this point, almost unopposed starter. Like it, it feels like he's headed for a big role. And how long will that last? How long will his body hold up? How, how good will he be for an entire season? If he, if he can make it fully. Um, so that's obviously part of that is, mitigated again one year deal not not a lot of risk in that signing in terms of you know financial loss and you got Kirby Joseph on his way up but I feel like that's that's a potential vulnerability on the roster that maybe Brad Holmes didn't do his best to to fill fair yeah fair all right appreciate the question Greg let's take a break uh when we come back we're going to finish out our Lions Q&A here's here on the Spotify app. Again, if you want to join us Saturday mornings, download the Spotify app, follow us on Friday Detroit. But until then, we'll be right back. We're back closing out our Spotify live question where or session where we answer your live Lions questions here on the Spotify live app every Saturday morning during the off season. 
Um, we are going to take this question from Twitter, uh, someone who, uh, Tanner, who can't join us during our live uh, questions, but um, I thought asked a, a, a very solid question. Um, Eric, you and I did that 53-man roster projection, and we kept three quarterbacks. So he asked, what is the benefit of keeping three quarterbacks uh, if the season is is lost, no matter who steps in for golf? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one that we debated, right? Yeah. Like we 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 really questioned whether that was something that they needed to do this year um, because the COVID uh, restrictions have loosened, right? Um, last year it made sense because you the onboarding process took time and, and like you needed to have a, a three players at a valuable position uh, because if something did happen, which we saw it did, uh, they were going to need to add a guy in one way or another. And it makes sense to add a guy that is, is familiar. So um, yeah, if they do, it, it's hard to say exactly why they would keep three or two this year. Um, I think if they do decide to keep three, it'll be because of what that third quarterback brings beyond the field. Right. And we, we we've talked about this in, in the past where, the the we've noted that the backup quarterback positions are they're not necessarily going to be at the same level obviously as as a starter if they're asked to to step in but their value is uh team prep scouting team how they can help prepare uh defenses for the upcoming opponent uh breaking down film like there's all these other aspects that go into the the reserve roles at that position that you don't see at other positions and and if they think a guy like Blau is third and uh, they aren't confident that he would clear waivers, then they might end up keeping him because he is, he can be the scouting quarterback. He can break down film. He, he there's a lot of, he's familiar with the scheme. So um, it's going to be a healthy debate though, to, to decide if they think, you know, whoever, who's third and then will that, how valuable is that person to maybe another franchise? Yeah, that's and and I think you bring up a good point too. Like it's it's different. The conversation is different this year than it was because of those COVID restrictions that have mostly been lifted in the NFL. Um, but Ryan, I'm, I'm curious. Do do you have a preference two versus three quarterbacks? And uh, do you do you think there's a legitimate chance the Lions kind of change up strategies and and go two this year? Yeah, I think you know Eric and, and you have brought up good points about this not being you know under COVID restrictions anymore. So. I, I guess I'm I'm harking back to a lot of the the years in in the past where, you know, the Lions had their starter and Matthew Stafford, and it was like two quarterbacks. That's all you need. I mean, you, you don't need a third one, um, and you 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 know can can go from there. But I'm just interested in how this coaching staff um, will handle this because it is um, it is like a true test, um, and and I'm interested to see whether or not they do keep that guy, like Eric said, game day prep you know, all, all, all that stuff, so on and so forth. Um, Cause I really think David Blau is that guy. So I, I guess this will be like a good litmus test for how much do, does this coaching staff, how much does this front office value something like that um, in comparison to, to some other positions. But I, I, I just have to think that there's so many scheme, scheme specific positions on defense that keeping a third quarterback instead of an extra rush linebacker or, you know, um, you know, an, an additional defensive end or something like I, I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to weigh that. I, I think it's going to be an interesting, you know, camp battle story. Yeah. And that's, I think 
you're you kind of hit the nail on the head there because Eric and I just debated for for hours <laughs> about how we can fit fit James Houston on our roster. He didn't end up making it, but I think that would be one way you can get him on. And I don't. I'm maybe I'm kind of curious what you guys think about this, but I almost feel like if David Blau wins the backup job, then you keep two. Agreed. But if it's if it's Tim Bo- Tim Boyle, you might have to keep all three because I'm not sure David Blau can be as good. Not not that you know he's mentally inferior or anything like that, but he's young. Like he doesn't. He's he's only played in a handful of games as a starter, and so to be that kind of authoritative authority voice in in the quarterback room i'm not sure if he's capable of that and i think there's probably also a a somewhat better chance of him clearing through waivers if they want to bring him back back on the practice squad so i I don't know if that's how the lines are going to be thinking but i think that's that's certainly a, a conversation that could be had so if we want to talk about influence um and where these coaches have been influenced in the past. Mm -hmm. And you look to New Orleans, um, New Orleans in 2020 and 2019, both those are actually 18, 19 and 20, all three of those years, they kept three quarterbacks, but one of them was Taysom Hill. (laughs) I was going to say, I want to hear Eric's math here. (laughs) Right. And then, but then if you go back to 2017, pre Taysom Hill, uh, they only kept two. If you look at the Rams in 2019 and 2020, they behind Jared Goff, they also only kept two. So you have to go back to 2017 before you see the Rams keeping three. So when you look, if you, the Lions don't have a Taysom Hill, and so and so no Taysom Hill, no COVID restrictions, and you look at where these you know uh, Brad Holmes and Campbell are coming from, it's not out of the question that they only keep two. And uh, again, it kind of speaks to maybe. Because the roster is better overall, maybe they they don't want to take that risk on, of of using a spot on a third quarterback. Because on it, like look at that fifty three from last year. Is there anybody there that that they cut that you would have taken over a QB three? There are a lot. There are probably a lot of players on that roster that should have been cut anyways. Um, and so now now you look at the roster and, and we're agonizing over some of these last cuts then I think, you know, yeah, I think it's maybe more appropriate to to cut uh, a third quarterback. The two big differences between our 53 and the Athletics 53 was that they kept Bobby Price and James Houston, and we didn't. And in order to do that, they went with one less quarterback and one less running back. And so if we wanted to come up with Houston, uh, we had talked that, cutting the quarterback was probably the way we, that we were going to go, but we just weren't comfortable doing it coming out of the spring. And, and you know, cowards. To, to, cowards. Have been, to have been a fly on the wall, because I'm sure Jeremy at least floated the idea of consolidating the kicking position into one, just have, just have Fox <laughs> do kicking and punting. Listen, I, I made a couple of 17-yard <laughs> field goals. It's easy. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> I made one 17-yard field goal, but I also punted the ball 55. Good thing, so good thing they don't shoot baskets in football. Okay. <laughs> Now's a good time to jump back into our uh, our question askers. Uh, let's bring Brandon on board. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? Well, hey, guys. This morning, how are you all doing? Doing great, doing great. I hope your coffee's still warm. <laughs> it is fully digested at this point. Listen, uh I understand that Steve Eiserman has now got the book in his hands and is studying and how to be a GM in 2022 in Detroit. 
<laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, you guys, you guys had a good, uh, I, I had a few questions already in advance thought about, but, uh, the topic that you just sat and talked about the third quarterback. And if he's not on the 53, which position do you go and how deep is it? And you had a little bit of a discussion, but I sure'd love to hear a little bit further about that because I, I think this is a transition year, much like 20, uh, 2009 to 2010, the problem was Stafford got hurt in the first first game. Remember, that was the famous or infamous Calvin Johnson game. Right. He got hurt by uh, Julius Peppers, knocked him out of the game, and he was done for the year. So it was a wash. And then he came back strong the next year. I have a feeling this year is going to be somewhat similar, only, of course, hopefully, we, <laughs> you know, golf don't get hurt like that. But uh, uh, what do you think as far as the deepness of the different positions you guys talked about, who would benefit the most? What position would benefit the most, do you think, defense or offense, by having only two quarterbacks? And, and you know, just continue to, your discussion because I'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's continue because we, we mentioned James Houston as, as a guy that maybe sneaks on the roster that might not if, if uh, the Lions keep three quarterbacks. Who, who else, Eric, do you, do you have as a guy that's kind of on that roster bubble that, well, that could well, be a difference between? Yeah, that was the thing that we debated. Um, when we were going back and forth, um, I kept saying we want to keep 25 offensive players, 25 defensive players, and your three specialists. And you kept saying to me, well, why? Well, why? And I'm like, well, let's just let's just keep it simple like that for right now because yeah. it's it's the easiest to project and 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 it and it'd be hard for us to start you know shifting guys around. But but that was to your credit something that you kept suggesting was let's go a little heavier this way or let's go a little heavier this way. Um, I think they would go heavier defense. I yeah. do. Uh, yeah. If they went light at quarterback, I think that would absolutely be someone on the defensive side of the ball. And James Houston would be the guy that I would pick because. They have invested in these edge rush in this edge rusher group. You're probably not going to have Romeo. And if you don't have James Houston, you probably have like four and a half guys. If you count Jared Davis as that half. Um, and you could use another edge rushing specialist, especially if they're going to use those edge guys inside on, on third downs, or they're going to use three on the field at a time, like we've seen in the spring. So, I absolutely think it would be the edge that would be the most benefit that would benefit the most from uh, only going with two quarterbacks. Ryan, anyone jump out to you that, that, that two quarterback strategy could, could really be the difference maker. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for JMO likely heading to the pup, it it would be the wide receiver position just because those guys do different things. You know what I mean? And I think when, when the lions went out and uh, they got DJ shark, and they prioritize, you know, bringing Khalif Raymond back. I really thought, like, you know, as, as a big body slot receiver, which, I mean, not a big body, but it seems like Amon Ra is, is the de facto slot guy. So it, it seemed like Quintus Cephas was on the outside looking in because they, they went out, they got some big body guys to play on the outside. You know, where does Quintus really, really fit in here? Um, but I, I think they've kind of been afforded that luxury, uh, you know, if they, if they take things long slowly with Jameson Williams. But, like, I, I agree with Eric. Like, I really do think it's it's the, the defense and, and the edge rushers and, 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 and that position particularly just because of the, the linebackers that they have uh, in that spot as well. But, Jeremy, I want to know, like, defensive backs. Like, yeah. do you think that that is – because you guys talked about C.J. Moore a little bit. Right. 
Yeah, and I think I think an important part of this conversation is special teams value, yep, right? Because the line the lines are getting so talented that a lot of these guys that have stuck around on the roster for a long time because they're big special teamers, they're going to have to prove they can do more than special teams to stay on this roster. So CJ Moore is one of those guys. Um, I mean, we, we've mentioned a couple others, um, like Bobby Price. Bobby Price is, is a great example, and and maybe even some of the linebackers, Anthony Pittman, Josh Woods, are guys that are great on special teams, but because competition is so tight right now in terms of starting jobs at a lot of those positions, um, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be called upon to, to be a backup. Um, and, and yeah, I think, I, I think having that extra luxury of a pick, maybe one of those guys slides slides in. Eric and I kept 12 DBs already. Um, we, we did have, CJ Moore is an in. I don't think we'd keep thirteen, Eric. But no, but I feel I would feel a lot more comfortable with our decision to keep twelve. Right, right. right. Yeah. So like it maybe maybe it is the defensive backs that that actually would benefit the most because you can legitimately keep half of your defense as defensive backs in that in in that scenario. So uh, I I I picked the edge because that's what was available in ours. But yeah, we went light on the edge because. There, it, there's, there could potentially be some big cuts in this defensive secondary. Right. I, I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like the way the way you look at our the roster, we got four interior guys, five edge rushers, and four linebackers. That probably seems light, but with so many of these guys being position versatile, whether it's you know the the edge rusher sliding inside on on passing downs, or some of the edge rushers also dropping back into coverages, kind of that will linebacker role. I'm talking about guys like Julian Aquara and Jared Davis who can kind of play double duty. It's, it's almost like you're willing to sacrifice some of the depth there because you have guys that, that play so many different positions. Whereas in the secondary, you just need so many bodies because you, you, you cycle through so much. So it's, 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 it's really kind of a, a fun puzzle making, uh, you know, adventure, just trying to, to put together this roster when there's so many moving parts this year. The, the one position that I want to throw out there that we haven't talked about, though, running back. Sure. I, I, think, I think that's an interesting position in terms of who they end up keeping because obviously Swift, Jamal Williams, seems like Craig Reynolds is, is somebody who they, who they want to have here as well. But then after that, it's, okay, you have to factor in you're keeping super back, Jason Cabinda. I know a lot of people are talking about in the chat, but like, Godwin Iwobike, like, is that a guy because of his special teams ability? And do you keep him on the roster? Um, Jamar Jefferson is another guy on the outside looking in, right? Sure. Yeah, we, we, we ended up keeping four, but I think that was another point of discussion, Eric, where we're just like, are, have, have two backups really earned the job? Can they earn and, the and job? And then with Swift's yeah, health, no. too. Like, that's something to keep in mind, too. Like, are they just going to need sure. another body? Yeah, we, we didn't. We settled on Reynolds in Iguabuque, but I was really pushing for Jefferson um, to find a spot. But it, it was uh, we eventually landed on those guys because of Iguabuque's ability to play kick return, right? right. And but if he loses that job, you know, I, I'm going to be it's it's going to be Jefferson time for me because yeah. I'd like what he has, uh, you know, put forward on tape and, and what he, and what his college history was. Um, and then we haven't even talked about Greg Bell. Who they paid a hundred million dollars or hundred thousand dollars to, in order to uh, <laughs> yeah, in order to uh, to come to uh, to Detroit and you know there's a lot of whispers that there's a lot of talent there that we haven't had a chance to see yet because they haven't put on pads. If yeah. uh, if I may, uh, 
it, it, along with this whole discussion comes to the idea of the defense being versatile. I mean, that's what they've been talking about anyway. Right. Uh, the, the idea of deception, smoke and mirrors is all about what defenses are trying to be and always have been anyway, try and fool a quarterback, try and fool the, the offensive line and the thinking one way and do the another. Who is it? And, and amongst all these defensive players, and you guys talked about already, having at least master not just two, but maybe three different positions each to where they could overlap. To me, whoever can do the least amount in that, uh, in that idea is not going to make this team. Uh, right. and, and I'm thinking uh, Austin Bryant looks like a, a carbon copy. He wasn't even a part of this administration, drafted and brought in. He was just a holdover. Anzalone, as you all brought out, he's an older veteran that has injury problems. I think he's here just as a mentorship to, to you know, get to the next next level. And I think Rockers is even in the same boat, although he, boy, according to his podcast with Tim, he sure loves it here, even though he got traded here. Right. I mean, he didn't sign here. He got traded. He had no say. Right. So, but what, what do you guys think about, about that in the sense of who is it that is the least – versatile that it's got a and maybe he's got some age on that uh you know they're, they're going to replace him with a younger guy because this is a transition year now we're looking at younger guys getting on the field just pretty much like the same with the pistons and the red wings uh well they're trying with the tigers but it ain't working <laughs> yet man <laughs> i'll get out of here guys take care have a great weekend Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate the question. Um, yeah, I, before you you mentioned age there, I was going to say, Eric, this is the exact conversation that we had about James Houston is we're not sure he's that versatile piece yet because yeah. they're scaling everything back with him, right? They're, they seem to be mm-hmm. shifting him more to the defensive line room than the linebacker room. They're figuring out what, uh, what Deion Sanders found out very early in his Jackson State career, which is the linebacker thing just might not be for him. That's not where he, he wins. That's not his superpower. That's not his strength. Now, they'd love to, to kind of low him with, with both things, but he's just not ready for that. And I don't, I don't know if he ever will be. You know, he's a late-round pick. I think we have to remind ourselves that six-round picks aren't typically big contributors on defense ever. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if that's something that, that will develop in his game. And the fact that they've already scaled some things back from him, I would say is at least a, a minor red flag that he's not going to bring the versatility that they want. Yeah, he's he's gotta he's gotta figure some things out, that's for sure. Um but again, I think that comes with being a six round pick, like you just sure. said. Like um he's got so much just raw talent yep. that he's gonna be a guy that they don't want to just brush aside. And I think he, if they, he's going to be a hard cut if they end up cutting him. Right. And and that's going to be, that that would disappoint a lot of people. I know because he's just so, um, he's just so he's intriguing. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, like when you look at his statistical measures, right. Like he was, he was ahead of like, uh, he, he led the, the NCAA in like, sacks right and and i and pressure rate and things he like might that have led in pressures too right yeah. yeah 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 i mean second of course was was aiden in both which is nice right. uh to hit to get both those guys but um that's he's a guy that has just shown shown so much productivity 
it's going to be hard to say, man, even though he just does this one thing really good, it's going to be hard to move on from him. And if he, if he ends up being as dynamic as they think he can be on special teams, well, he's probably make it. And he, right. they're, and they're probably going to, he's, he could be number 53. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if he gets in like, boom, that would, I think that would be, that would be really beneficial for him. But like he is right now, probably the most static yeah. of, of the players on defense. Um, especially the ones, I mean, that we had on our 53. Uh, I mean, like even Brockers has more, has more, he can play from the three to the five. You know what I mean? Like even, even the interior guys on have some flexibility. Houston right now, just, he's got one spot and, uh, we'll see. We'll have to see if he can expand it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anybody on the offensive side of the ball and like, kind of the older guys that might get pushed off. They, they still like Quintus Cephas was, was the first guy that jumped in mind, but he's also a guy that, that does bring a little bit of versatility. Like I, maybe he's not the shifty fast guy that they seem to prefer, but he definitely can play big slot. He definitely yeah. can play on the outside. So it's crazy. He can play all three spots yeah. yet. He doesn't fit the mold of everything else. Right. <laughs> it's, I, you know, I don't think he's going to get cut this year, but Josh Reynolds, I thought was a limited guy, but then all of a sudden in the spring, he showed like some ability to go over the middle, which isn't something he hasn't always shown. So, you know, this coaching staff prefers versatility. And so they're pushing these guys into versatile positions. Right. And so almost that's what we're seeing. We're seeing these guys, you know, be more versatile and, and so far most are adapting. Uh, Some of the young guys though, they're not quite there. All right, let's uh let's jump into our last caller here. Thank you for waiting, Nyan. Uh, appreciate you. Welcome to the show. Hello, guys. Can you hear me? Yep. How's it going, buddy? Oh, going great. I'm going to repeat the question I made you last year when we had the last clear picture of the offense and then Campbell. What do you think? Jared Goff has to do uh, to keeping the starter next year. Oh man, a, a a popular but very tough question to a- to answer because I don't know. I've, I've been I've been thinking this over time and time again because I, I do think that the Lions are kind of in a in a win win situation. Whereas if Jared Goff succeeds and this team surprises some some people this year, well, great. Then you have Jared Goff. You're your future quarterback. If he doesn't, that probably means they lose a lot of games and are uh, in in position to, to draft a guy. The problem of the matter is I feel like reality is going to fall somewhere in the middle. And so what what is the threshold of him keeping his job? What's the threshold of him losing the job? And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know even how you – it's hard to put like a statistical measure on that. I certainly don't want to boil it down to wins and losses. I, I don't know how to answer this question, guys. I it, it's, it's a real it's a real tough one. And I think the way I put it before is like you're, you're just gonna have to see it. Like you're I don't know if you can put a measure on it. You, you're gonna you're gonna know when you see a potential elite quarterback when you see one. I guess that's that's my very unsatisfactory answer. Yeah, it's like it's like with the when we broke down the coaching staff, you know, uh, recently as well. It's you're going to have to see that they're making the right decisions at the right spots in, in tight games, right? Like you can live with 
him turning the ball over, but you can't live with him turning the ball over on the final drive if they're in a position to win, right? Like those those turnovers are gonna are gonna weigh very different uh, on our minds. Um, ideally, you'd like him to have less than like ten interceptions on the season. You'd like him to have more than twenty. You'd like him to throw for over four thousand yards. Like when he does those things, he typically those are the years he finds success. Typically, um, but you know, again, I, I, I'm with you, Jeremy, in the fact that you're going to have to see the situational aspect of, of what he does. Uh, when the pressure's on, does he find St. Brown in the end zone for the victory? Or does he fold? Um, you know, we saw Tim Boyle throw the interception in, in Atlanta like that. That would be bad, right? We saw... Uh, Goff third and Goff Los Angeles to St. Brown, right? We, yeah, we ex- right. We saw him throw that interception in Los Angeles, but we saw him not throw an interception against Minnesota, and we saw him not throw you know stuff. You know, so you're going to have to see the progression. You're going to have to see the situationally like him evolve um, in those critical situations. And so yeah, there's going to be a lot of those types of situations that factor in beyond just like some box score. Ryan, give me a statistical benchmark. Yes, you got it. No, I, I, no I swear, I, I was, I was furious. I, I, I have, I, I have a, a talking point. Uh, if helps, uh, I think if uh, Lions got six or seven wins, but he has to uh, score a lot of points uh, to keep up with a bad defense, then it might be enough. But uh, I'm mostly thinking playoffs. If we got to the playoffs, yeah, we probably have to keep him. But anything else, unless the defense is really bad, I think he's out. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, well, so this is the number that I came up with. Because last season, the Lions uh, averaged just a little bit north of 19 points per game, and that put him at 25th in the league. I'm going to say that Jared Goff has to lead the Lions offense to over 400 points. Per game. Because um, that would put them in per game ideally <laughs> yes um it i don't know maybe the defense might still might still give up a few losses there but um I, that that puts him like right in the range of being a top half of the league offense and i know a lot of us are myself included that's are a very, great point yeah i i think well thank you nine um i i think that a lot of us have like maybe high expectations of the offense being top 10 um but i think if he can if he can what what you and Eric said, I mean, it's really the situational, it's, you know, the back-breaking turnovers. As long as that stuff gets, for the most part, cleaned up and you see the offense take a leap, um, because, as I mentioned, so, like, the Lions last year, they scored 325 points. If you see an improvement where they, you know, are scoring over 400 points for the season, that puts them in the top half of the league. And, and if Jared Goff isn't, you know, committing the back-breaking turnovers – I mean, it's kind of hard to say, like, hey, he's the reason why the Lions didn't win a lot of football games. But it, it is the eye test, you know, as Eric mentioned. Yeah, I think that's fair. There's unfortunately no simple answer. I mean, playoffs, yeah, I think you probably keep him around. You're, you're certainly in a tougher position than to, to draft yeah, a guy. I'm but not sure how you can, other... right? If if, yeah. if if this Lions team is a playoff team, Jared Goff had something to do with it. Yeah, and he'll he'll at least get one more year. I guess it, there's also a difference between getting one more year and getting an extension or you know being labeled as a the long term guy. There, there's a I would say there's a possibility he's that like 
he just kind of extends his say one more year if it's kind of like a mediocre year. Maybe they get to the playoffs if it's like it bounce in the first round. But I think you're right. If he if this team makes the playoffs, I don't think they're they're necessarily drafting a dude. Yeah, thank you for the answer and enjoy your baby, Ryan. Thank you guys. See ya. <laughs> thank you, Nyan. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh I think I think we made it, guys. Um just just over an hour and a half of of question and answer time but uh appreciate all the calls this week if you want to join us again one more time download the spotify live app on your mobile devices make sure you're following at pride of detroit and check prideofdetroit.com usually every friday we'll tell you when the show is going to be live on saturday mornings typically sometimes we're sunday sometimes we're later in the day be sure to check prideofdetroit.com for all of that and all, all of our wonderful articles but until next time for ryan for eric Thank you for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.